Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Hey, Randy. Hey. So I've been working on a, a little small side project app where it's just a, just a quick little quiz app for uh, rules for or college and high school football. Um, I find it's a, it, there are lots of paper tests and PDFs and email tests and things like that, but nothing that is real easy to pick up a phone and, and, you know, do when you're in line at the grocery store or what have you. So, um, I wanted to put something together to pull all those questions in, um, build it. I built it in view. It's about at the. 0.9 release level, I'd say. It's just about ready for public consumption. Um, I'm I'm populating content daily now just so that there's content in there. The thing that's keeping it from going to a a full 1.0 release level is authentication and keeping of history. So I've got the authentication mostly working. Um, using Firebase for Google accounts. All I wanted to do initially was say, if you've got a Google account, you can log in. Yeah. If you don't, too bad. Not taking any other type of login. Um, I will probably add other types of login as time goes on. I haven't decided what yet. I really don't want to do an email and password login. Um, I'd really like to keep it to like Google account, phone number, and that's it. I really don't even want to do Facebook because I don't want to reward Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. So I may do that and, and see what happens. Um, but like I said, I've got the Google authentication working, uh, at least on development. And this is something I discovered late last night is it works great in development. I click on the little user button and I get a pop-up that says what Google account do you want to use? And I sign in, it works beautiful. Um, on production, it tells me the API key's wrong. So that's a separate problem. Probably has to do with the Netlify environment variable. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't figured that out yet. And we can come back to that if, if you have any ideas. But the main problem I'm trying to solve with, with logging in is there's a base set of questions and for discussion sake, let's say there's 100 questions. Um, if you log in at, for the very first time, what it does is it says, okay, every question you haven't seen has three times as likely a chance to show up as a question you've seen and answered correctly. Um, if that makes sense. So what I'm doing is I'm essentially taking those 100 questions and populating it two more times to make a base set of quote, 300 questions. Um, And then if you answer one correctly, then two of those get removed, two of those duplicates get removed. And then there's just one of that type of question in that set so that you're not answering the same questions over and over that you've already gotten right. Um, there's a chance it'll show up because I think that's important to reinforce what you get right as well. Um, but it's not going to show up as often. So I need some sort of tracking of history. Um, I've actually got the whole 
bit working about whether you've got it right or wrong or you haven't seen it and it's it's weighting it appropriately um but only in a single session i guess um every time i refresh the browser all that history goes away yeah so it's a question of what what and and this is where we we've never on this uh, here shied from what we don't know. Um, and this is something I just don't know. I don't know enough about authentication, authorization. I'm not looking to restrict anything. All I'm looking to do is say, do I know who you are? If I do, then I know, then I have your history of what you've gotten right and wrong. That's all I care to do. And then it's a question of, is that stored in cookies, local storage, JWT? Is it a mix of philosophies? What is it? So let's start with your app is hosted on Netlify as a static application, a, a progressive web app of sorts, because you are hosting the, the HTML, the JavaScript, and CSS, and anything else like that, and in any images on Netlify. Right. It doesn't have it. It doesn't load from a server. It's a just a pile of files, essentially, where Correct. the client application is. Correct. Okay. So then you have a backend database server that you can call upon an API. What it does is when on, on mount, when, when the f- application first loads, it pulls all the questions in from Airtable. Okay. Um, so that's your API. It, it, that's my end. API. And I'll probably store the user information there as well when we get to that point. Okay. So that's, we have a structure of a client and basically a static web client with a backend API that doesn't even act, it's not even a, really a server it's more of a persistence layer of sorts sure <clears throat> so then you have the terms of authentication and authorization authentication is strictly who are you do i know who you are that's all it authentication is authorization is only comes into play if you treat some users different than others usually admin versus customer right versus pro account user or whatever. Um, so auth- authorization is what can you do? Right. What are you permitted to do? What are you blocked from doing? Then you get, so neither of those, the only thing that's really relevant there is you need to use authentication to then go to the next step of what data have I persisted related to your use of the app. And so I think the term that you may want to be thinking about is, is hydration. You're, okay. hyd- you're hydrating the app. You're in, this is where, so whenever someone's doing a static progressive web app with a backend API, the question always comes how much data, how much preloaded data comes down with the initial login and load. So right now, if you were to hit Gmail, there's a certain amount of load time that it takes place. It's not instantaneous. Right. The reason is, 
it's going back, it's logging into your, it's authenticating you, and then it's pulling down a certain amount of data just to get you going with like the most recent hundred emails and some of their body copy. And so you have to choose as the developer initially, how much data should I hydrate based on how long it takes to load and what's the user experience I want. So in your case, and pretty much for any MVP version one type of app, I'd say just hydrate the whole dang thing and tell me how long it takes. Like, see if it's really a problem. Right. So right now you authenticate the user and then you go and you hydrate the app with all the questions and answers that they may use. Actually, at first, I'm just, I'm just loading the questions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm loading the questions before I even authenticate. Oh, Okay. So you're, but you're hydrating that part of the app. That's the hydration of the app is loading regardless of the user. Right. So then the user starts utilizing the app. They go in they say, you you give them a question or a scenario related to officiating and they choose an answer right or wrong. And then what usually takes place is the, the local state of the app changes to reflect what did the user perhaps look at? You want to know, that, do they review this question? Did the What did the user choose? Were they right or wrong? So if that's just my early example. So sure. you have three different state updates every time a user utilizes a question and answer scenario. So you you update the state locally so that the local app knows like what how has the user progressed, but you want to also persist that at the Airtable level at your API level in case they go in and log in from a different browser or a different device. Right. And so you basically are making your updates at two spots: the local state, and you're persisting. Here's what the user has done on the app since they've joined. So right. then I've got, I've got the local state handled. Yeah. But go ahead. So, you, so now you need to persist it at the API level for the long-term use. And so then on subsequent logins, you need to decide when you hydrate that state for the user. Like, I go in, I answer three questions, I log out, then I log back in later, and you need to hydrate the app. You're hydrating the questions and answers at a base level before you even log in. Then you need to, to update and hydrate my user status, my user like state of using the app. So it may you may have, if you have this, body um, uh, or this payload, so to speak, that comes down from Airtable that says, Randy has answered these three questions and has viewed these three questions, answered them, here's the right or wrong status. And now your your app essentially fast forwards to that state because you've hydrated from the API with my what my use, usage has been. Right. So that would, and that's, again, 
I would recommend starting out where you just say, all right, just load it all in. Cause I doesn't, I don't think it's a ton of data. No. And you, if you start to see, well, man, it takes two minutes to load all that data that user has, then you start to say, okay, when the user logs in, how, what do they need to know immediately? And what can I lazy load as they use the app more? Sure. Which is, which is what Gmail and others are doing. Sure. Uh, so, so yeah, this, the, and, and that's actually something I had to deal with right uh, immediately was what do I do? How do I trigger the display of various components of the page while that API is being hit? Because it doesn't take more than half a second for the API to hit, but half a second's a long time in a web page. Yeah. Um, if I try and load all the elements before the data is high, before the data is there, then I've got just blank elements, um, which looks bad. So I have it, I have it to where it doesn't show until the data exists, which is the bane of JavaScript everywhere, which is that it's asynchronous. Uh, I'm sorry, that synchronous that just goes straight down the line. Um, That's wait, JavaScript is synchronous. What do you mean? JavaScript is synchronous Mm-mm. unless you ask it to be asynchronous. Well, JavaScript goes one step after the other. No, no, no. JavaScript is asynchronous. Okay. It'll skip steps. If, if you call out to something that like delivers a promise, it just oh, goes to the right. right. I got the thing. definition. I got the definition wrong. Okay. You're right. It's asynchronous. Okay. Ruby, like Ruby is synchronous. Yeah, so is PHP. I got the definition wrong. Yeah. I was thinking synchronous is that it just keeps going. Um, I, I had the concept right, just the wrong definition. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, so that's what I had to make it do was I had to make it wait to show anything until the data existed. So at this point, it's just a question of a, well, let, let's, let's handle it a couple ways. One, I've got all the, I've got, all, I've got the question set, which is what I call it. The question set loaded before I know who the user is currently. And then if they log in, it can go back in and properly weight the question set based on what they've gotten right and wrong in the past. That's yeah. not, that, that those are all written as functions of, that's easy to do. Um, so I think that's easy enough. I think my only question is there are websites and, and such that when you show up at a page you've shown up at before, it already knows who you are for a limited amount of time. So I think that's what I've been trying to figure out. And I probably should put that problem to the side. Um, but I, I think that's that's an important enough problem to where people don't feel like they have to log in every time they go into the app. So with, yeah, and that's not, so your authentication technique has, to, I, and that's where I don't remember, because I was, when I, the last static web app I did with auth was also Firebase. And Firebase stores that that session data for you. And what happens is the app 
when your app loads, it reaches out to Google and says, Google, do you know who this person is? And Google says, yeah, well, I already know. And then you don't really do anything. It just doesn't ask for the authentication oh, okay. because it just says, what's the status of the user? So that's what's yeah, nice. It that's wasn't behaving that way on development because what I've got is I've got a little football helmet that you click to log in. And then if, if you successfully log in, your name appears next to the football helmet. So well, yeah. on development, I would log in it'd show my name. I'd refresh and it'd go away. Well, you know, the refresh, the refresh is basically when it, the app loads, it's doing that work for you. Say like, that a different way. So if you click on a link that takes you to the auth page, I think it's, you're going to see the auth page. So what happens is you only show the login. For, you basically, when your app loads, it should yeah. ask, the, the very first thing the app should ask is, do I know this person? If you know this person, you don't show the login football link at all. And you're saying that Firebase has a call that I can make to say, do I know who this is? Uh, it's more of when the app loads, it's all about, has the user changed or something? It's like a user status. Okay. And what, what's the proper term for that? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. It's on, <laughs> you'd, you'd have to go and look at how I did. Um, it's in our it's in a repo related to that SMS app we did. Okay. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. People or anyone listening is it, like is it worse when you see someone on YouTube working on something you're like I'm going to have to watch this video and they're not going to edit it out instead you're <laughs> listening to the dead air of me looking for a repo. What do we right. call that thing? SMS? Uh chasms? That's right. <laughs> so. uh, was this view? So there, there's a couple different ones in there. It's just a question of which one uh, is the important one. Probably Chasm's Firebase. No, not that one. Chasm's Client Browser. It might have been a Firebase thing. What am I looking at? AppJS. Um, I'll have to get it to you, but essentially, I, what I do see, I do see in the Chasm's client your browser view, um, you've got a toolbar right user menu. Current user is authenticated. Um, yeah. So I can I can dig back through that and see if that's got what you're talking about. Oh man, I haven't worked on this in a while. Essentially what you're looking to do is you're trying to, basically you are constantly in sync with Firebase on what is the user status. And if the user status changes from authenticated to unauthenticated, it will immediately redirect the user to your login page. Right. You don't show a login link 
if unless the user is on is not authenticated you don't want anyone clicking on that link until you've determined you don't know who they are right and so that makes you, sense so if you're following a link that goes to login you may see the login page because you aren't wrapping the login page with any auth that is probably true let me pull up the login logic and you say login page it's not even a full page it's 10 lines of code um oh chasm's client browser view that's it yeah and in this and then in the app view there is there is some logic in there so yeah i don't have anything wrapped around the login um to say do i know who this user is i can tell that right now the only part i'm going to have to the separate separate topic but maybe related is that I'm trying not to use Vuex um, just because I don't think I need the weight of Vuex for the, for the persistence I'm doing. Describe weight. Uh, the, the code necessary to run Vuex. I, I, I just don't need all that extra code that Vuex has. Because you have a, you have a number I, on that? No, no, I, I, I just assume more code is bad. More unnecessary code is bad. That's a gut feel assessment. You're right. Bad. <laughs> I'm not going to say, like, I know people that work in with um, React, with like Redux and stuff, would probably say, you know, you're right. Don't use it until you need it. And so, but I, I'll say that in the Vue community, Vuex is really stable. I found it to be clear how to use in the documentation. Big, I was a big fan of it. I'm uh, not, I'm not against it. I'm perfectly happy to use it. Um, it was more that feeling and, and it, it was a feeling of the early React Redux community um, where at first you had everybody using Redux and then it was the backlash against everybody using Redux, which was don't use it unless you need it. Yeah. So I, I avoided using Vuex because I was like, I don't, and I, I read a couple articles to see if, if Vuex was just, if it was recommended and I, it, it was a mixed bag of opinions. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're, you're, you're probably right in that a I'm right in that adding Vuex adds code. That's just, <laughs> yeah, that's just fact. That's, that's true. fact. Okay. That's true. That said adding Vuex may not be significant enough to matter to the type of oh, app yeah. I'm running. So, yeah. And that, that may be that, that it, it may provide me with tools and it probably will provide me with tools because I can tell you every authentication tutorial and video out there uses Vuex. So it, I mean, it yeah, made so it yeah. very hard in my head to go, okay, they're using Vuex. I'm not. So how do I, what changes do I have to make to what they're doing in order to make it work for me? So, so to, to, it, it could to, be a, a, it could be a DX experience, a, a DX improvement just to include Vuex so that I can, glean to, more from these to put this debate in another term 
water is wet. You're right about that. Do you need to pour water on your app is debatable. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, it's definitely a debate. There's definitely a debate if you need Vuex for what you're doing. The other thing I'm, I forgot to mention about the hydration idea concept is this. And you touched on it earlier, and then we didn't get back to it really. So the user experience on the hydration part is, hey, every time a user logs in and we hydrate the state, does it need to come from the API? And the answer is no. It, you can store it in a local storage um, mechanism to have a level of persistence locally. So the benefit I would get is if I get on, if I utilize the same browser and device for an app that has your data, the lo my local user data, you hydrate and then you store it locally. So then you have to update kind of in three spots or just two spots, depending on how you use your global state. So I make it, I read, I, I utilize a question answer, get it right or wrong. You update the local state, you update the local persistence and you update the external persistence. Right. Now I'll be honest. I usually have go to local storage. Very, very just, just like everything else is, is the API hydration is, is local offline access necessary? That's the first question. Like, if, do I care if a user is able to use my quiz app when they aren't connected to the internet? It would be a great side benefit, but it's certainly not an architectural decision I've made at this point. Yeah. And so once you're past that, the question is, how long does it take to hydrate user state if every single question has been covered so they can redo it and but still maintain their um, pass-fail? Right, and that, and then you still so you experiment and go. Well, it only takes 500 milliseconds to load that, so I just don't see a big deal. Um, or it's like, well, it takes 2,000 milliseconds to load that state every time if they were to refresh the browser or close the browser and reopen it. So in this case, I want to store their local state and just check the API for for the deltas, for changes between the two. And that's where you get into your optimization of hydration, st local storage, um, that kind of thing. Right. But at this point, I wouldn't mess with any of that until you find a performance need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I, I mean, I can say... When I was doing the, I was using, I told you about that Vuex Easy Firebase library. Yeah. And, and I don't know the status of it now, but it was, compared to any package I've used with Vue, that was the one that was saving me the most time because it took care of so much of that boilerplate um, making sure I had all the data in sync locally and backend, and it just worked. And I don't know where it went, the library, but the guy that was a French guy, I think, was 
the lead dev and he was very receptive. He, I almost ended up working with him on it. I just didn't have time um, later on in the project and we canceled chasms. So, but I can say that if you get into a, a point where you're considering Firebase for your backend, Easy Vuex Firebase was extremely useful for that whole loading data, persisting data, that kind of thing. Yeah, with and, with Vuex. And I think I know I chose Airtable because I wanted to try it out. Um, because I had used it before just for little small things. And their their API documentation is actually very excellent um as far as how to pull the data from them and how to use it um but there's a part of me that's going i will eventually probably switch over to firestore as the as the database mechanism um And so it sounds like I need to just move in that direction anyway. The the biggest difference for me right this minute, and you tell me if it if if it exists, is I just like Airtable's spreadsheet format of entering data um, and and reviewing data. And I don't know if Firestore has that, like a PHP my admin or something similar. Not that I. I mean, you can go in the back end, but it ain't pretty. Um, yeah, I do not know. And and th- and that's a like I, if anything, in, anytime I build an app, I build an admin panel for it. So I don't. Airtable should work just fine. Google Sheets is the only other one, which is the same, which is essentially a lower key Airtable. So right, right. And there's no reason for me to move at this point. I it 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 wor- it all works fine as is. Um. And Airtable does make it real easy for me to just work with the content. Um, there's nothing, uh, I don't need to build the admin, I guess is right now what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I will probably, I think that may be the next step. Now that now that I've got all this working, I will go open a new branch, throw Vuex in there, and then start working with getting everything into the Vuex store. And then once that happens, I can then try to work with this authentication a bit further. Well, yeah. I and mean, I know I'm giving, I'm reversing a little bit, but are you, are you making progress without Vuex or you've hit a wall? In authentication, I'm at a wall. Well, often Vuex are not real, what you're most concerned with. Right. Right. So, so I'm at a wall. Hmm. I'll put it this way. Let me rephrase that. The auth works for the most part. Like I said, it's not working in production. It's working in development. I don't know why it's not working in production. The API key is in the environment variable in Netlify. Um, and outside of copying and pasting it for a fifth time to make sure I got it right. It, it, it is what it is. And the key name is the same on dev key and name, prod? Key, key name's the same across the board. Um, and I've double, che- double and triple checked that. Doesn't mean I haven't gotten it wrong. Have you gone into your Firebase logs to see if, there, if it can tell you what values it's getting? 
All right. To which my answer would be what Firebase logs? There's, there are logs related to Firebase. I just don't know. Yeah. I'll have to go look now. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. Um, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to look that there's nothing that says logs. There's analytics and quality and all that. And, and I just have to dig through to find there's events and things like that. So I'll just have to find the logs. Um, and you, you took the error message and Googled it already, right? With- yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just, the answer was make sure your key's right. Uh, which, like I said, I, Outside of well, a second pair of eyes, it looks right to me. So I'm trying to think. I mean, the most important thing is to find out is the key rendering correctly when the Netlify app loads. Right. And and I guess I could one console log what it's seeing. Yeah, that's um, what you need to yeah, that's that, the that's easiest where, thing. That's where I'd start is just console log what it's seeing the, the key being. Yeah. Um, and then go from there. Yep. Um, but I'm actually kind of happy with it uh, for, for, for a side project. It works pretty well. Um, what are you using for the component library? Uh, Vutify. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Documentation is a little iffy sometimes on Vutify, but for the most part, I'm able to get things working. Um, it was between Vutify and whatever the bootstrap version is, but I figured I'd just go with Vutify. Well, I mean, I use material design, Google's material, sure. material, material UI, maybe. Um, semantic UI is another one I like, but for view, Vutify kind of just does it really well. Yeah, and and really, what got me to Vutify was that uh, they, they one of their base structures is a card structure, and and just using that card structure, it it, it works. I can put the question in the card. I can. It's got all sorts of different types of elements to a card. So yeah, but no, overall, I I I, I was I was about to send this to somebody last week to say, what do you think of this? And then that's when I found that I had that I had like almost a week's worth of failed updates on Netlify to where Netlify wasn't showing the current version. So I had Mm. to track that down first, but it's almost to the point where I'm going to send it out to a few people and go, what do you think? Is this useful to you? I feel like it's pretty ready. You don't need to like, just tell them, often storage doesn't work, but the concept is ready to be tested. Yeah. The concept overall is tested. The content as of last night is fully up to date. Um, I know you probably hit a couple questions where the answers were correct, wrong one and wrong two, um, which oh, is just know. what I had as my test answers, just so I could see if they'd click red or green. Um, but as of last night, all the content has all the right answers in it. Um, so contents up to date. Um, and yeah, uh, the, the, the functionality works. So. I thought it was weird that I answered a question. The app yelled at me for being biased. I threw a red card and then it stomped its feet and closed down. 
Did you, did, did, okay. Did you hit the, you're out of here button? <laughs> yeah. And I, then I made the motion with my hand, a gesture and the app was totally. I don't have the AR <laughs> built yet for that. It, that, that's a version two feature. The Amazon Echo then piped up in the corner of the room and shut down my whole house. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the funny thing is the next step on all this is once this is built out is I'm going to turn all of it around and make it a text app as well, just for people (laughs) who prefer to do it through text. But yeah, I may never get to that. Um, But all right. Well, thank you. Yeah. I I think this learning device is, I mean, people learn through memorization and, like what this i think the app is a great concept and it, the the thing is and and it this is this is where copyright gets a little inter, in, interesting in all of this is all the content i've used so far is not created by me um it's it's qu- yeah. questions that other officials have sent out so before i go widespread with it i've got to get permission yeah um now that said they're football play scenarios. If I change a couple of yard lines, the question is fundamentally different. And I'm, a, I'm the one adding the multiple choice answers. So it's my content, but I don't want to piss anybody off for stealing their stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, I'm sitting here on 300 different questions from different college con- conferences that I can and throw in there. Yeah. Um, and that's just the college side, the high school side. I've only got two high school questions populated at the moment. So I need to populate some more high school questions before it goes too much further. But, all right. Well, thank you for the help. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still, I feel like every time I step away from the single page app building and come back, some new practice around auth and local storage uh, comes into play, but you know, uh, there it's just an evolving world of. It's a fast-moving space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these days, if I get if I were to load a Ruby on Rails app, I'm just using Devise, and my auth is handled like it's just taken care of within hours of what would take me all this time to set up. The front end world has just not been as stable, but I feel like it's stabilizing. You know, like pass the other library I would always look at for auth is Passport JS. Sure, like sure. That- I will say, getting authentication working in development was pretty darn easy mm-hmm. with the with the Firebase stuff. Uh, I, I did not expect it to go as smoothly as it did. Um, that was up within a night. So that that was good. Um, But other than that. Cool. All right. We will uh, talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, 
you can email us at hello at FridayNightStrikes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'Em Down by Flash Fluority, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.